small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey, everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me today in the Zoom room from the great state of Ohio, he's here to talk about what I assume maybe is his favorite band, or at least one of his favorite bands. We're going to talk about the Afghan Wigs, and please welcome Mr. Rich Richmond. Hey, Rich. Hey, Pat. Good morning, Rock Solid family. Now, you can't see Rich, but he has a, a Afghan wig shirt on. It says Wigs AF. Yep. Uh, which could be AF. Gan, it could or it could be as fuck it could uh, and uh i assume it's the latter yes I, very clever was very it, it clever. was an That's insta a, it was an insta buy it, yeah it works it's perfect yeah. uh rich let's find out a little bit about rich richmond rich we set this up over a year ago when <laughs> i offered uh some slots for people to pay and host via zoom yep and then i'm so backlogged on these like it's the only thing that weighs heavy on my soul is that I haven't finished a handful of you guys. That's why I didn't even offer it this year because I'm like, I, I can't offer it when I haven't fulfilled the other co-host duties. So I will offer it again once I complete uh, all these people. So you're one of the patient people and I thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to do it. And you get to pick the topic, which you did. Afghan wigs. I don't even know if we've ever even played one Afghan wig song on the show. We're going to change that today. We're going to change it up big time today. <laughs> now, Rich, let's find out about you. Cincinnati, Ohio. Yep. How long born, have you been there? Born and raised. Born and raised. Yep. Now, uh, do you love it there? I mean, you stayed. Yeah. I mean, other than some, you know, political issues we have here in Ohio, but I guess that's true anywhere. Um, yeah, I love it. Um Cincinnati is unique in that we have the west side and the east side, and it might as well be two different worlds. Um, I was born on the west side, uh, migrated to the east side, and that's where I live now with uh, my wife and kids. Now, will they, uh, will they throw up a gang sign or two there in the west and the east? Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious. Um, if you're on the west side, your conversations are going to be centered around where you went to high school, uh, what's the best chili joints, um, and then conservative politics. And if if I tell people I don't like Skyline Chili, are they going to throw beating into me? Yeah, I think I think we've gotten a little bit better with that issue, but um, it's a regional cuisine. You know, some people are going to love it, some people are going to hate it. You know, it's it's in my blood. It courses through my blood, so I love it and. You know, we eat it at least once a week. So, wow, you really do. That's great. oh yeah, I like it. Oh yeah, I like it. Uh, my friend Chip Chinnery, when he goes back home to visit, he'll uh, he'll ship like a case of it to himself, like the when it comes in cans. Nice. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. So, Rich, what? Uh, how many kids do you have? Two. Two. Yep. My uh, son will be uh, nineteen this week. All right. Um, we are going to see Jack White live. Nice for his birthday. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And then, uh, my daughter will be 15 next month. All right. And did you pick up the new Jack white album yesterday? I did. I got the rough trade exclusive blue and white vinyl. I listened to it 
I love it. I'd love to know what goes on in that dude's head. Like music. How? Yeah. I mean, I think he and Trent Reznor are probably the most like interesting people in their minds, like what they hear and how it comes out. So where did you have to go to get the rough trade vinyl on day of release? I just pre-ordered it. And it arrived on day of release. Arrived on day of release. That, that's someone who's doing it right. Yeah, exactly. I hate when I got to wait for something like it's released on the 8th and then it r- arrives on the 15th. I hate yeah. that. That's BS. We've um, got a really good local record store that does shipping all over the United States. And that's, you know, my primary record store, Playad Room Records in Loveland, Ohio. But um, I just really like this Rough Trade exclusive. It's half blue, half white. I think there's only like a thousand of them. So I usually jump on something like that. If there's something more exclusive, that also looks cooler. Yeah, I like the vinyl that looks cool. And it's it's yeah. actually half blue, half Jack White. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, corny joke. I don't care. It's 8 a.m. for me. Who, who, who cares? Um, no, I see Congratulations you- to Jack White on his engagement and wedding last night. Oh, who do you, who do you, he got engaged last night and married last night? Correct. At his concert in Detroit. Uh, anyone that we know. Is it a famous person? assume it is i i don't remember her name i just kind of saw it popping up in the news feed this morning all right is she uh is she out of his league i'm assuming she is um she looks perfectly appropriate for that relationship all they right. look like a great couple <laughs> okay good good i like uh i like uh, how you did that um uh behind you i can see all your man cave stuff i see some yeah. star wars stuff i see cds uh is this a shared office or is that your personal space? This is my personal space. So when we transitioned to work from home, this kind of was the catch-all room that became my office. So, you know, my kids and my wife will work in here occasionally, but it's it's where all my vinyl is, my record players over there, my Boba Fett collections over there. So this is kind of my space. And d- does the family embrace your stuff or they make oh, fun? Yeah, they're, I mean... When I was when I was first dating my wife, um, we were on the front page of the newspaper waiting in line overnight to get tickets to the Phantom Menace. So uh, she's always she's always been supportive. And my kids have the collector gene. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. And then when you went to Phantom Menace, you were wildly disappointed. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. I love all of Star Wars. It's basically a spectrum to me with Attack of the Clones on one end and the Mandalorian or Empire Strikes Back on the other end. I love it all, but you know, there's some there's some garbage in there. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame yeah, too. It uh, is. Because I'm not a Star Wars guy, so I won't argue about it with you because that's not what we're here to do. You're drinking right. out of a, a Chewbacca mug. I am. And you've got uh is that a is that a Mandalorian or hat or is that Boba Fett? This is Boba Fett. That's Boba Fett. That's your favorite character. Yep. He is, yes. Have you ever uh, had your picture taken with him at some event? No, I'm I'm not into that stuff. I mean, I've been to cons and stuff, but I'm not I'm not huge at like paying and waiting in line to meet people. I mean, I've met some cool people like, you know, on my own, not paying and waiting in line for it. So that's just not really my scene. All right. Uh, Last question. What is your, what is your job? You allowed to talk about it? Is it secret or don't you want to talk about it? No, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, I'm a writer for a nonprofit here in Cincinnati. It's Beach Acres Parenting Center. Uh, We've been around for 170 years. Um, We do behavioral health support for kids and families, um, mostly in schools, pediatric offices, 
um, and online. So I, if there's a written word that's on our website or comes out in a press release or <laughs> really anything, social media, uh, that's, that's kind of all of my stuff. So I do all the writing there. That's excellent. And I know you also do a little writing for pleasure. You'll review things. I do. It's <laughs> it fits and starts, but uh, hyperbolefree.com is my website. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I did a lot of writing back in the day. We had a blog um, that did movie reviews back in the day before it was kind of a big thing. Um, we are actually the first website to announce the name of Attack of the Clones. Wow. Uh, which of course Harry Knowles at Ain't It Cole News stole from us and posted and of course he took did. all the credit for. Of course he's, he's a monster. He's one hundred percent. So yeah, I do. I do a lot of writing for pleasure. I don't do enough simply because it's what I do all day. You know, I yeah. write two thousand words a day for work, and sometimes it's difficult to uh, jump in there and do writing for pleasure. But yeah, hyperbolefree.com and at hyperbolefree uh, on the Twitters. All right, that's where we find Rich Richmond. And what's my last question before we start? And I might have questions uh, throughout the show. Uh, how did you come to find Rock Solid Podcast? Oh, yeah, great. So I've been listening for probably a decade. Um, longtime listener, uh, Steph Anderson. She's on Twitter at Tonks and the Oars. Um, yes. She turned me on to the podcast about a decade ago. And I, you know, I've been listening ever since, you know, if, if it's a topic that I'm not super into, like I'll listen to a few minutes and skip, but I don't think I've really missed an episode in 10 years because even if it's not a topic I'm interested in, it's, you know, you're usually funny. The guests usually funny and, you know, you, you find a lot of great music. So, well, thank you for that. And yeah, we, yeah. Uh, I always say if we're laughing here in the room, hopefully that means people are laughing in their cars or at their desks or wherever podcasts are heard. So yeah. that's, and I that's say the, only... the coolest. Go ahead. I'll, I'll say the coolest thing is just the, um, the community <laughs> you've built online. Like so many times I want to rage quit Twitter, but you know, I've made some really like legitimate friends through the rock solid community. Um, you know, Jeff, uh, Justin, John and I talk almost every day on chat. Um, yeah. you know, I'm trying to try to be involved in album of the day and, so I made a lot of great friends and it's a great, it's a great music community. That's not judgmental and uh, really some great people on there. Oh, good. Well, that's great to hear. Cause I agree with you. And these, uh, so many of the listeners are my friends now too, because, and I don't say that, you know, phony baloney wise. I mean, right. I have your numbers in my, I have your number in my phone. Sure. I mean, yeah. people, people can text me and call me and, and uh, yeah, I love it. I love doing this and I love meeting people and that are passionate about music because, uh, you know, that's one of the things that brings us together. And even if you don't yeah. like, if you don't like Billy Squire, but I do, it doesn't matter. That's, it's still cool. So uh, yeah, it's not politics. That's for sure. It's not, it's not uh, the guys that I just spent the last, it, it felt like three decades listening to the guess who <sighs> that was a slog. We got through it and we got our rankings up there, but. That was kind of a slog for me. <laughs> the uh, the guess who, and again, I've had uh, Randy Bachman was on my show. The guess who has about eight solid songs, and then those exactly. al- then those albums and those album covers. Ooh, it's rough. It's yeah, it's rough. 
<laughs> it was rough. I was, I was cursing John almost every day, John Mufford every day. Cause I'm like, this is, it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. Yeah. But, you know, I listened to it and I, I found the six or eight songs that were, were good. And, you know, and now it's, now it's in my, you know, it's in the past. I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to pop on. Put it behind you. The, you, can, you. The guess who again. You can enjoy those hits, but you never have to dive deep exactly. into that band again. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's go now. I'm assuming you know a lot about the Afghan wig, so you're going to be able to give us history and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to try my best. I mean, I've got, you know, the website and the wiki pulled up here, so I might refer to some notes. But of course, yeah, um, I think I'll be able to uh, walk us through some some history and answer any questions. All right. So the first album released in 1988, it's uh, you can't it's not available. It is not available. Why is that? Um, it, you know, it was an independent release, um, that they put out big top Halloween, um, on the ultra suede label and, you know, it was just limited release. And, you know, once they started signing to record labels, I think, uh, this record kind of got lost in the, in the past. And honestly, it's, it's not super representative of who they became as a band. So it's just just not 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 available to find on streaming. You can't find the vinyl anywhere. Um, trust me, I'm watching out for that one. So, and you would think with streaming and with you know iTunes and Amazon that they would at least put it up digitally. Yeah, I don't understand that about a lot of bands. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's just missing, and I know there's business and politics and all that kind of stuff, but. Like the way it is now, why not just throw that stuff up there? You know, just yeah. I mean, get you're all not the, making all the music out there. Yeah, you're not making any money money off of it not being up there, right? So it's put it on about. iTunes and make four cents. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So, but you do have a song from the first album because it was also on the second album. That is correct. Yes. All right. So you want to kick um, off with that one? Yeah, so uh, I, I just chose the title track, Big Top Halloween. Um, and like you said, it's also on the second album. Um, and I think this song is kind of representative of who the band were when they started out in the 80s. And it's just so weird to me that this is a band that started in the 80s, because to me, it's a 90s band, you know, right. alternative rock. But no, they got their start in the 80s. Um, and they were kind of, you know, an aggressive kind of punk band. They haven't really started injecting some of the R&B stuff that we'll hear later. But um and this is what I saw live, like this, you know, 16 year old rich uh, down in down near the University of Cincinnati, um, going into the clubs, finding bands. And this is one of the early bands that I found. And, you know, I think the song is a great time capsule of who they were playing. And, you know, we had a club called um, Sudsy Malone's Rock and Roll Laundry. It was literally a laundromat that had a bar up front and a little stage up front. And that's the first time I saw the Afghan wigs, you know, with 30 people and we're just going bananas for songs like this. Big Top Halloween. All right. So this is Big Top Halloween from the album Big Top Halloween. Let's hear it. Let's see what we get here. Just 
like um soul asylum and that soul asylum did this thing earlier in their career that isn't what they're known for or what they do now correct yep exactly i mean that's kind of you know basic three chord punk rock um you know aggressive you know what i love and it's funny hearing it now like you know hearing greg dooley sing as a kid um but he, one thing that we'll notice is voice changes from smoking and age and drinking and all kinds <laughs> right. of things throughout the years. But one thing that never changes is he just goes for it constantly. Like whether it's in the studio or on the albums, like that dude just goes for it. And th- yeah, that takes me back to 16 year old Rich, just watching him just scream these songs into the microphone in a club in Cincinnati. And so to be clear, you first heard them live before there were records that you could really buy yep exactly yep that's amazing yeah to discover a band and then they actually go on to have a recording career that's pretty cool yeah yeah all right it's a lot, it's a lot of fun now of course i didn't pick a song off big top halloween because you can't get it anywhere you can't yeah you can't find it so we're gonna we're gonna move on to the second album up in it what are they up in yeah well, they're in it they're up in it um in all so it. whatever it is Yep. So, you know, what's what's great about this, what's great about this story is um, so here's a band in the Midwest in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, little record label out of the Pacific Northwest gets wind of this exciting band that's playing these laundromats in Cincinnati. Um, So they are the first non Pacific Northwest band signed to sub pop records. Um, and, And I just think that's glorious, like, you know, to see this band and say, hey, we're we're going to pluck this band out of the Midwest. We're going to put them with our roster. We're going to support them. Um, and then they were, you know, recorded this debut album, which kind of continued that kind of aggressive early nineties kind of punk rock sound. Um, and I love it. I guess it's just so exciting to see, hear about this band getting signed to a record label. It's, it's, all, it's in all the independent newspapers that we used to have around town. Um, Afghan wig signed so pop. So that, yeah, I, I love this record. It was, it was fun to see this band that, you know, I'd been watching live in the clubs and still was, cause they were still around Cincinnati um, release a, not a major record label album, but to be on a label and to yeah. release an album. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, rarely do people, new artists get signed to a label because everything's so independent and it's so it's a lot easier to hear music and find music, you know, with YouTube and everything and or TikTok. That's where my kids hear a song on TikTok and then they'll know like some song from like the seven, they'll know like a guess who song. And I'll be like, well, how do you know that? And they'll be like, I heard on TikTok. TikTok. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, that's exciting. And people, younger people aren't going to understand how exciting that is for, like you said, a band that you saw in laundromats to get signed to a label that you yeah. knew of. You're like, this is a label. This is a cool yeah. label. Yeah. So yeah, very exactly. exciting. Very cool. All right. What's your first song from up in it? Um, so I, you know, looking at this album, um, I, I wanted to pick songs that I think kind of showcased the early days of this band. So the first one is called hated. Um, and again, it just kind of continues that aggressive rock sound. I love that you compare them to soul asylum because I think that's, 
such an apt comparison, you know, a different Midwest band, but the same kind of thing who's starting out, you know, playing these aggressive punk rock songs and just literally building a following. So I think hated um, really represents kind of that aggressive sound. All right. From 1990, this is hated. Now, Rich, some of the cue times you gave me were a little bit longer than we can play. Fine. You gave That's me, fine. You know, I, I kind of I kind of used those as a starting point, but because I want to get some lyrics in there. Now, this is um, I don't know that you could record these lyrics nowadays if a band recorded a song like this. Yeah. And I, let's address that straight up. Um, one, it's important to know that. Greg Dooley is a good dude, like all around mm-hmm. um, this music, like it's, it's noir music. It's how I, how I categorize it. This is the, the topics that are being addressed here uh, in these lyrics are the thing, same things you're going to see in noir novella novellas and noir movies. Um, so he's basically taking these, these, these feelings and exaggerating them. Right. Um, so, well, yes, there are some questionable lyrics here, um, in the especially in the first few albums. Um, consider it a story, like you're wa- you're watching a movie or you're right. reading a book that's dealing with these these kinds of stories. So, yeah, I think that's important to address right up front. But what I do love about the song is you're starting to see some of that sophistication. You're starting to see that melody come in. You're hearing the background vocals. Um, just a fun song. See, I'm a guy who loves lyrics and I love to sing along in the car. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a ton of lyrics by this band that I just don't feel comfortable going, yeah, and singing in the car and rolling the windows down and woohoo. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. It's pre- it's some pretty dark stuff. Yes. And, you know, it's coming from a dark place. You know, he's he's exploring, you know, these feelings of love and lust and regret and sex and just it just, it just comes out. And, you know, again, sometimes those lyrics aren't the ones you're going to sing with your daughters in the car with the right, windows right. rolled down when you're driving to school. But um, there's, there's plenty of songs where you can't shout along with it, where the lyrics aren't um, as questionable. And you're saying, uh, you're saying he's a good dude. And if he wasn't, we would have easily heard about him not being a good dude by now. So right on. he's yeah, writing, exactly. uh, he's writing as a character. Exactly. You know, yep. and that's, exactly. um, I often feel that's really difficult to do because um, because you're then you stand up on stage. And like I said, you sing the words, the words come out of your mouth. People see you say them. So, you know, they have to be a little bit intelligent to know, like, well, yeah, he's not singing as himself. Yeah. You know, so exactly. Yep. All right. Now, I didn't pick a song off every album. That's we'll fine. Get, we'll get this is a new band to you. Like, I know you yeah. don't know much about them. So. I didn't know anything about them. I knew the name. Like, if you <laughs> if someone said, you ever hear the Afghan Wigs? I'd say, I have heard of them. 
Yeah. But I have not heard them. So hopefully I, you'll, hopefully I'll convert you into at least uh, someone who have a few songs on your eye, you know, you're in your iTunes. There you go. Well, the one that I picked off of up in it is a song called white trash party. couple things I liked about this is there's a lyric where he says, don't you step up on it, which I thought was yeah. interesting since the album is called up in it. Yeah. But I really like that wah-wah type guitar at the beginning. I wasn't expecting that. And so yeah. that really hooked me in. So Rick McCollum uh, is the guitarist uh, in the early days. Um, and while I love the band from the start to finish every album, I do miss Rick's playing because he he leaves the band eventually. But yeah, that's what he brought to the table was that that wah wah and that you know that's you know just that screeching guitar and just a kind of that melody. You know, a lot of that I attributed to his guitar playing, and also in that song. You know, we'll talk a lot about John Curley today because he's one of my favorite people. Um, but you hear that bass, and John Curley is just an incredible bass player. He kind of brings this funk sensibility to it and it's in the mix like it's not buried because there's yeah. something interesting happening with the bass playing yeah uh yeah you're right when the bass is buried in the mix it's just kind of keeping the time exactly but yeah. when it's something cool that's when it's not buried in the mix yes exactly yeah 100 so we, we all know the bass players that aren't buried in the mix but Nikki yeah. Six. <laughs> well, Nikki Six is buried in the mix. Like he, mix, no yeah, Nikki Six is way. Every every person in Motley Crue should be buried in the mix, or actually just buried. Quality joke. <laughs> solid, rock solid, rock solid joke. Yes. All right, Approved. we got we got one more track off. Yeah. Of um, I know your little secret. So uh, take this one from the top. I mean, I I love the song. What I love is. This is, you know, you start to see um, some of that introspection, some of that uh, melody. Um, and I just love Greg's voice. He's just so, he's not the best singer. He's not like a, you know, a Robert Plant or a Sammy Hagar or something like that. Um, he's emotive. Um, and I and that's what drew me to this band the most. And I think this is a song where you start to see some of that, um, you know, yearning in his singing. It's just a great melodic song. All right, this is I Know Your Little Secret. Little guitar 
go. Bang your head, people. Yeah. That's when it happens. And um, I, you know, there's tons of other bands that do that kind of stuff, but I love, especially in concert, like when they play that song in concert, you know, it starts off slow and everyone's kind of swaying and you know, it's coming. And then when yeah. it gets to that part, there's a little bit of a break and it's like, and everybody just gets bananas. It's kind of like, uh, in a different way, but it's kind of like uh, Foo Fighters all my life, where it's just like ding, 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 sure. ding, 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 ding. And you just know in a minute it's yeah. going to blow up. Yep. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love songs that do that. That's uh, especially it. live because you yeah. know, and they know you know, and they know, and <laughs> they know in a minute they're going to be looking out and the swaying people are going to be all up in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so, call back again. Um, <laughs> now, does your wife like this band? Not really. We're we're not really super aligned musically, um, which is fine. Yeah, that's cool. What's your wife like? Um, Patty Page. Pop. She likes Patty Page and Connie Francis. You know, she likes a lot of pop music. She likes a lot of country music. One thing that we agree on is I really, um, I really love old good country, and I really love '90s pop country. Um, All right. So, like, our wedding song is uh, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill song, and. We always see them in concert whenever, whenever they're touring, and they often tour together, which is fantastic. So, and uh, you know, new new country music is like the new pop music, really. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm finding stuff here and there that I like. Um, you know, Marin Morris um, and a few other artists, but not like the '90s. The '90s were just fun pop yeah. country music. Yeah, right. All right. Speaking of fun pop country music, let's go to 1992 with an album called Congregation. Yeah, so this is where it starts to get serious. I think you instantly see a shift from this garage club punk band into a more sophisticated rock band. Um, everything kind of goes up. The uh, quality of the playing, the you know, the quality of the production. You'll you'll hear it in the headphones. Like these, you know, these rest of these albums are going to sound fantastic. Um, and it's also where, you know, Greg starts to pull in some of these um, R&B influences and these punk influences and these soul influences, music that he listened to and kind of inspired him. You know, you start to see him uh, pulling these in. Um, I got to be perfectly honest with you. Congregation is not my favorite album. If I, if I rank the albums, this may even be at the bottom. Like the Star Wars thing I told you earlier, I still love it. Um but this is this is an interesting album, um, and it's also where the fan base got its name. So we're called the Congregation. Oh wow! Yeah, preach, preach exactly. And, and speaking of preaching, my first song. <laughs> I don't know if you're ready for me to jump into that, but yeah. Um, so so the first song that I picked is a cover song. Um, it's from an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical uh, called Jesus Christ Superstar, and. And nobody knew that at first, you know, you pop this on and you're just like, Oh, this is kind of a weird song, but yeah, but you thought it was, cool. you probably, you thought it was an original Afghan weeks tune. Exactly. And then when I went through my theater phase in high school, I was like, I see what's happening here. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, and I'd say, just take this from the top. I mean, if you've seen Jesus Christ superstar, I, you know, you're going to know this song. Now, hold on. I got to make sure I have this from the top. Cause again, okay. I, I played around with some of your, uh, that's fine. Or wherever you want to play it from, wherever you, wherever you I got took, it. I took good. it at 23 seconds. Do it. All right. This is the temple.
And we'll just note that they are still on Sub Pop Records. They're still on Sub Pop Records. I, who chooses a song for Jesus Christ Superstar as a cover song? A, a band that's thinking out of the box. <laughs> it's brilliant. And, it, you know, there's that funky bass line following it through. You know, you got Rick singing some of the lines on there. It's no Sebastian Bach. No, no. Um, one of the best, the best, the, probably the best Jesus. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a fun song just to kind of show you like how quirky this band is. Like, yeah. you know, they could have picked, you know, a Led Zeppelin song, or as we'll see later, you know, a lot of uh, soul songs they could have picked, but they're like, nope, let's pick this Andrew Lloyd Webber musical song. <laughs> I am. Uh, you brought up Sebastian Bach and I'm, I'm still yeah. bummed that I can't get him on the show. I, I would think it would be easier than it is i mean and i try to help you every time you post i don't because he's very active on twitter like he responds to people and i even did a thing where i went on cameo you can send him a message and it costs like i don't know at the time it was like three bucks or something so i'm like that's worth three dollars to send him a message yeah so i sent him a long message about the show and he was like uh yeah i'll try to do that and when could we do it and then I answered him. So another three bucks. And yeah. then I kind of started to realize, oh, he's asking questions so that I'm going to answer them. So he's just going to keep getting three dollars from me. And he's going to try to him or a bot. I, I think wonder. it's really him on Cameo. Well, that's so um, that's kind of a dick move. <laughs> yeah. So then I just I just stopped. But it's hard to find contact info for him. It's whenever I can't do get his manager he's like i'll i'll re i'll check with him and i'm like yeah i've had all these people like i'm like, yeah, like tell him i've had superstar <laughs> tell him i've had halford and, and klaus and and brian johnson yes. i go tell him i've had those people that might mean that should mean something but yeah just doesn't but i'd love to hear it i love that dude like oh my they, god that, that would be a three-hour show albums. yeah, yeah. Be great It'd be great so, and we you know i met him in person at the uh at the last uh ronnie james dio cancer event but I didn't, but I didn't want to ask him sure. at that point. He was yeah. so nice and just really just chatting with us. And I didn't want to then hit him with, Hey, you know what? I do this thing. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I didn't, maybe I should, yeah. I don't know. Cause currently we don't got him. Um, another band that the Afghan wigs career reminds me of is because the, the Afghan wigs never really broke big. Mm-hmm. They're still considered more of an independent DIY underground band that has a rabid fan base and uh, friends of the show that were recently on urge overkill. I feel like they're, they're right there in the same thing. And like, you know, when they record a Afghan wigs, they do Andrew Lloyd Webber and, you know, urge overkill kill does uh, Neil diamond. So, you know, and, you know, all these bands you're talking about, Soul Asylum and Urge Overkill, I mean, they're, you, you see my Twitter feed, they're right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Like, this is, this is, this is my kind of music. You know, this is why this is one of my favorite bands. So. Yeah. Well, uh, Nash and King were so much fun to talk to. Yeah, it was great. I love, I love that he kept calling him the King. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The King. Every time I was cracking up. I enjoyed that. He said, he's going to buy me drinks when they come. Yeah. That's what you I got to make that happen. Um. Sometimes when you do this, you can just, you can see on uh, the person's face when they cross over to enjoying themselves. Like Nash was all in, but the King, it took a little bit. It took a little bit. I know I had to. And then, and then I could see 
all right, now he's he's enjoying it now. He's yeah. finally because they I'm sure they were doing these every half hour for a week. Sure. So and I know that's a that's a struggle if you get someone that isn't me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what you do as at, at what I think you do really well at interviewing, because like I said, I've been listening to your voice for 10 years. So. I know. How annoying is that? Exactly. I I think it's interesting because I think I can kind of tell when people aren't into it. You still do a great job, but I, you kind of have this more like kind of like professional uh, cadence to your voice. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if they're like, you know, they're trying to get off the show or, or whatever. Um, and it, it, it's never bad, but just like sometimes you just kind of amp it up a little bit. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm professional, Pat. Now. I can tell you when I when I interviewed, I've told this story on the show before, so forgive me. But when I started the interview with Andy Summers and he said, how long is this going to take? And I said about 40 minutes. And he said, oh, God, I hope it doesn't take that long. That's before we've even started. That's a terrible way to start the interview. Yeah, I know. I know. But I knew so much about the music he wrote for the police. I, I wasn't talking. I wasn't asking how Sting was or how I was just. And. He eventually loved it. Yeah. So much Good. so that I got a book in the mail a week later and it was a note from his his assistant that said, Andy had a really great time on your show and he wanted me to send you this book and then he signed it oh wow personalized cool. it so i was like okay i won that guy over because yeah at the beginning i was like oh no don't say that andy don't would you be comfortable saying if there's anyone that you just you you felt like it was a bad interview like they were just like not having it you just kind of got through it well i mean slim jim phantom was obviously at lunch and he, because I could hear dishes clanging, and I could hear him say, "Oh yeah, I'd like the spicy broccoli." And I was just like, "What are you doing? You know what I mean? What are you doing?" So I mean, and his camera wasn't on, so I couldn't see him. I couldn't engage that way. So I just pushed through, and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't. And then, and then his phone just dropped out at some point, and then that was it. That was the end of the interview because I'm like, "Well, I don't have a way to get." He didn't call back, or you know what right. I mean? It was just. Yeah. So I think that one could have, I think he's a pretty cool guy and he's played with a lot of people other than the stray cats. And I feel like that could have been better, but because yeah. when I did Lee rocker, he was fantastic. He was at his house. He was present. He enjoyed the interview. I could tell he did. And uh, yeah. So, you know, I can only do so much. Sure. People that won't turn their cameras on. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. And yeah. I've had about five or six people that wouldn't turn their cameras on. Now, do you ask them to, or do you just let it go? Sometimes they tell, I'll say this a lot of times, a lot of times it's women because they feel like they have to get all made up. And I understand. Yeah. I get it. So it's been that a couple of times. Some people just don't, just don't want to. And I, cause I always say it'll be better if we see each other, we can connect a little bit, but right. You know, and then you get someone who is fantastic, like Patty Smythe of scandal. She was fantastic. Yeah. Great she interview. On. She, she was just like, sometimes at the end, I'll feel like, oh, this is, I think this is my friend. <laughs> That's how I felt with her. Like, I, fe yeah. I feel like if I run into her after a show, she'll give me a hug. I just feel like we had, 
we connected. I really did. So, yeah. and I can, I love, I love this inside baseball stuff. I hope you'll, I hope the listeners like it, but yeah, that that's fascinating. That Patty Smythe interview is so, so great. I, I would have loved to hear a little bit more about Johnny Mac and um, the whole Van Halen debacle, but yeah, yeah was, that was a great interview. Yeah. T- sometimes the time constraints, you have to like pick it. Sure. What do you, what can you talk about? Yeah. So, all right. So my song, off of congregation i lost my place we played yours we played the temple yep. played your first one yeah now we'll jump to me going back okay. and forth okay i picked the song let me see if i wrote down why i picked it nope i didn't uh this is called turn on the water I just uh I just love the guitar on this too. It it felt like someone was like playing with a handful of needles in their hand. Yeah. It was just like and it was just like they're like jabbing you and it's like I just loved it. I love that guitar. It's pretty cool. I am, I'm I'm going to be fascinated by your picks as someone new to this band and that's a great song. And you know, interesting that you picked it in that the, so now is where stuff's starting to happen. So that's the single that's on MTV. You're seeing it on 120 minutes. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I I didn't I didn't like yeah. look up what singles were or anything. I just yeah. That just maybe I'm an A and R guy. Like that's you maybe that's, that's the song I would have yeah. chosen. And you know, you start to see it for me. It's super weird. Like I'm on MTV. It's like oh, these are these guys that I see. Yeah, you know, down by UC all the time and. Now they're on MTV. Um, and you know, they're they're starting to get buzzed. They're not, you know, they're not showing the video at four o'clock in the afternoon or anything. It's it's kind of buried with some of that other alternative stuff, but it's it's where stuff starts to happen and where people outside of Cincinnati and outside of uh, the Pacific Northwest are starting to hear about this band and discover them. And back in uh the days of MTV, like if you were looking for your Afghan wigs video, it would be tough because yeah. you know they're playing Duran Duran and Def Leppard over and over and over and over and over and then you'd get a flash of something that you that you like even even my band cheap trick didn't get a lot of play in video wise back then yeah tricky and this is the you know this is what where are we at 90 92 yeah 92 so i mean you're you're still you're still having some of the you know um 80s metal right is still linked. You know, a lot of people think that just stopped at 89, but it still lingered, you know, for yeah. a while. Uh, some of those huge albums came out in like 90 and 91. And then you're also starting to get the alternative stuff. They're just starting to dip their toes into hip hop. So MTV is really interesting at this point. And you're right. Like a lot of this stuff is going to be buried over under the classic videos. Yeah. But you're still having the the metal dominate and then the alternative starting to come yeah. in. So it's a really interesting time. Yeah, you would have thought that the Afghan wigs could have 
squeaked in there a little more when when Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Nirvana and those bands started to play. They could have easily just like put Afghan wigs in there and you wouldn't have yeah. thought anything of it. Yep, 100%. 100%. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, next up for you from Congregation. All right, so this is interesting. So um, we may want to just do these songs back to back. You know, I'll leave it up to you. Um, We will, because I did not... uh, I did not pick a song off of the EP. Okay, perfect. Um, so these two songs, Miles is Dead from Congregation and then Rebirth of the Cool uh, from the Uptown Avondale EP. They're essentially the same song. Yeah. So what's really interesting here is we had um, the greatest radio station of all time, um, 97X, uh, Bam, the future of rock and roll. You may recognize that from Rain Man. Um, it's greatest radio station of all time. It was in Oxford, Ohio. You had to do all kinds of gymnastics with antennas and aluminum foil to pick it up in Cincinnati, but they were playing the best. This is where I discovered every band that I love outside of Van Halen, Guns the big bands. That's cool. Um, this is where you were discovering good music. Like they were, they were the arbiters of cool. They were the tastemakers. They were, this is where you found your music and it got national prominence. Um, so it was interesting. So you, you never knew which one of these songs they were going to play and like it would come on and they're both fantastic, but it's just really interesting that the band, um, you know, it, it, the, the original one, Miles is Dead is about Miles Davis. Um, and I think they kind of wanted to pull away from that on the EP and just talk about, they're still talking about Miles Davis and they're still talking about cool, but like the song is just, it's funky, it's nasty, it's dirty and I and I love them both. And I think they were trying to find a way to get this song national radio exposure. Right. But because there was two of them, it became a mixed message and kind of a mess. But among the congregation, like these two songs are amongst the reasons we love this band so thoroughly. OK, so do you want me to play Miles is Dead and let it play for a while and then go right into Rebirth of the Yeah. Field, or do you want to yeah. do a, a stop down? Um. I would think it would be cool if you can to kind of just run them through and see. Oh, Rich, I can. I can, Rich. All right. I definitely can. Let's do it. All right. Here we go.
great. There you go. Back to back. Miles is dead. And rebirth of the cool. Just just sick. Just sick AF. I mean, <laughs> I love those songs. I, I love just having those two interpretations. Um, and, you know, you start to get in that kind of like, like industrial sound, that remix sound on Rebirth of the Cool, and the bass is just fuzzy and dirty. I love it. Love everything about what's happening there. So when you dropped the needle on Rebirth of the Cool, when you had the Uptown Avondale EP, at that point, that's you're a virgin. You have no idea that it's going to be a redo of Miles is Dead. Pat, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old man, so... I don't remember. I probably had heard them on the radio. Okay. Um, they probably talked about it on the radio before I would have heard it all right. like in a physical format. Um, but it was something that was talked about all the time. Like okay. whenever, which one they would play, like it, it was something that was talked about, but yeah, you're like, Whoa, this is, this is some interesting stuff. And, and up at this point, you know, now I'm in college, I'm, you know, in my twenties or whatever, and you're starting to hear about remixes. Like it wasn't really a thing, you know, like in the seventies and eighties, but now you're starting to hear about remixes and starting to hear all this really cool stuff and songs uh, getting new versions. So cool. So you have one more song off the EP. What is it? Yeah. So man, I, I love this song. I, the the Afghan wigs are known for their cover songs. Um, And again, this is an opportunity for Greg to say, this is music. This is, soul music. This is R&B music. This is pop music from the sixties that I love. Um, let's do our own spin on it and show like this different influence. You know, we're not just this heavy punk band. Um, we can do some of these cool things. I just think this is a fun cover song. I, I love the sound of it. Um, hearing a male interpretation of, of this song. Um, I just think it's, I just think it's fun. So it's a cover of the Supremes come see about me. Um, and they just turn it into a dark noir song, <laughs> and, and I love it. All right, here we go. I've been crying Cause I'm lonely Smiles have altered To tears Tears won't wash away The fear That you never So when I dropped the digital needle on this track, it it sounded vaguely familiar, but it didn't really register until the chorus. And then I was yeah. like, ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that stuff. I like it. I do too. And I, I love that, you know, it's clear, you know, sometimes it's questionable when a, you know, a man, a man voice takes over like a, a female voice singing, but it's clear that he respects this music. And I think, you know, they just wanted to interpret it in an Afghan wig style. And I, I just think it's fun. And it introduced me to go back and listen to some of that music that I probably would have never discovered uh, otherwise. Yeah, that's cool. They're, uh, 
they're schooling you, Rich. Exactly. Yeah. They're taking 100%. you to, to class. Um, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you think like a band like the Afghan Wigs or who, whoever the band is, you think that their influence is just a band that sounds like them. Yeah. When in fact, they have all these influences. I mean, yeah. you know, Van Halen covered Dancing in the Streets. I mean, because that's Dave loved that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the Van Halen covers are amazing to me. You're no good. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, you really got me. I mean, they make these songs Van Halen's signature songs. They do, 100%. I wish they would have done more with Sammy in the studio in terms of cover songs because live, they did banana stuff. They did Wild Thing. They did Rock and Roll. They did Keep on Rocking on the Free World. Um, and they're always so good. Like, yeah. I wish they would have done a little bit more of that because that that was just that was van halen you know there was cover songs in the mix from the beginning um and they did a great job with them live so i would have loved to see a little bit more of that in the studio i have many theories about that i i, I think maybe dave wasn't the most prolific lyric writer or song contributor and so sometimes they had to lean on a cover and the yeah. cover was awesome but i think and i don't know that maybe eddie wanted to do covers yeah. but you know it's a band so you say yeah we got nine originals so we'll do this cover and we'll make it cool but um and i think sammy was all in on let's just you know this is a band and let's really yeah. be a band so i mean that's that's just in my head that's what i think i, I think you're you're probably on point there so um have we hit your favorite afghan wigs album yet we've not all right we're, cool. we're, we're getting closer all right good it's uh, it's not this gentleman album, is it? It is not because this one, I I I wrote. Here's my note. Lyrically, okay. nothing for me here. It's just too dark. Oh and even the album cover creeped me out. Yeah, interesting. It's, yeah, I uh, so I'll let you take it away. But yeah, the songs I listened to, I was like, I because I would look the lyrics up. I'm like. Oh yeah, I just I don't know. So here we go. Well, yeah, I mean this this is a dark band. I mean, there's no there's no yeah. getting around it. There's no there's no ballads. There's no uh, razor fist anthems. I mean, this is a, this <laughs> there's is no a crazy band. nights. There's no crazy nights. There's no rage. There's no, there's no I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll. No, let's put the X in sex. No, nope. none of no that. No rock hard. <laughs> um, but I love it. Like to me, like this is. To, to me, this, although they're wildly different bands, Kylo like this, this is why I became a Nine Inch Nails fan. Like I was able to easily make the transition to that industrial darker music because of my love for Afghan Wigs. Um, and it's interesting to hear you talk about Gentlemen in this way, because this is when it kind of started to happen. Like it was like, oh man, this is, so we, we move off Sub Pop. Yeah, Electra. Um, move to Electra Records, you know, and with Motley Crue, like this, this is the big time. They're on a major label. This is when they start, you know, having videos on MTV in that four o'clock hour. This is when they're on all the late night shows. This is when it kind of starts. Um, and in fact, right in this era, um, you know, so Seattle was popping. Um, MTV came to Cincinnati and did this whole sequence on Cincinnati, calling it the next Seattle. 
Wow. A big part of it was interviewing the Afghan Whigs. Like they went to the studio, they interviewed the band, um, a bunch of other bands, Ass Ponies, Over the Rhine uh, were involved in that, but they were like, Cincinnati's next. Like these are the bands that are going to start to be signed and this is going to blow up, which obviously never happened. But, but yeah, gentlemen, this is probably, this is probably most Afghan Whigs uh, favorite album. Wow. I love it. I love everything about it. Although it's not my favorite album. Um, and yeah, these two songs that I picked um, were both videos. They were videos that I saw on MTV all the time, played them on David Letterman. Um, I love it. Maybe when you have that, maybe, maybe listen it again and me pumping it up, you'll be like, oh yeah, I see what's going on. Uh, I find it interesting that MTV said to themselves, let's see how much clout we really have. Let's say if, see if we can pick the next city that'll be big. Let's really try to do that. And then, exactly. you know, sadly they didn't because, you know, I'm from originally from Pennsylvania, so Western PA. So we're, you know, yeah, it's the same region. Um, I wonder if this is the album that Electra had hoped for. wonder if they were pleased with this record. I doubt it. And, you know, if there's anything negative about Craig Dooley, and if he ever listens to this, I, I love you. But um, during this time period, like there was a lot of people talking about like this, this is like the pretentious rock star. You know, this is the guy that's that's coming in and just has this kind of pretentious, conceited air about him. Um and you can definitely see that in interviews and the way he dressed and the way he acted and the way he talked. But um I attribute a lot of that to to confidence. You know, he was coming into his own as a songwriter. He was making these albums that were you know, really expressing who he was as a person and they were connecting with more and more fans. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a little bit of that. And I think, I think Electra was like, all right, it's time to move from Motley Crue. Let's start picking up these yeah. alternative bands. And I, I think that's a great question, Pat. I don't, I don't think this is the album they, they necessarily wanted, but it's, it's the one they got. got. Yep. Um, and they, and they keep them for another one. So they, they must've been yep. okay with it. And there, there is a fine line between arrogance and confidence. Sure. I mean, it really is. Um, just like when, I, when I'm trying to get a guest in the show, it's a fine line between being persistent and being a nuisance. Yeah. And uh, I'm a little of both. Uh, okay. Uh, title track is what you picked. Yep. Title track, gentlemen. Gentlemen. This is funny. This happens sometimes when I listened to this album with, uh, with my headphones on and everything, uh, that song didn't jump out. Like it's jumping out at me right this second. Yeah. It's I wonder so if, good. <laughs> I wonder if, because at that point I, it was, it was a little bit of homework Yeah, and sure. right now we're in, we're recording. So it's fun time. So maybe yeah. 
I'm feeling different on on that song for sure. Oh my gosh, that guitar and the the bass. Like if you ever watch any of the live videos, like John Curley is just like he he's kind of like this just like normal looking dude, but like when he's playing, like he's into it and just the runs he's doing are just so that's such a fun song. and you know uh the opening your attention please like that's yeah. that's part of the congregation's vernacular you know like if we're going to tweet something about the afghan wigs like we start off and say your attention please wow this is a he good, says it live you go bananas this is a this is this is a cult yes <laughs> um who's in the band now is the band is it most of the original members still yep it's it's all the original members um i keep trying to look up because sometimes i get uh fuzzy on this stuff so i think now we've got a new new guitarist um and um you you also have like greg dooley kind of taking complete control here yeah um you know what's interesting about this record deal is it was not just a record deal electro was looking to him to kind of be uh, a tastemaker for the future of Electra Records. Maybe um, produce other bands. And not just that, but yeah, fine to produce other bands. Um, he had a clause in there to make a feature film. Wow. Um, to write books. It was, it was a, it was a weird, and they used to talk about it a lot, like when it first came up. And then I think both the band and Electra was like, all right, let's start. Cause the movie never got made and all that kind of stuff kind of fizzled out, but it was, it was not just a straight up record deal where they were pulling this band from sub pop to the majors. It was, we're looking to this guy to kind of <clears throat> direct at least part of the future of yeah. this label. To be a, cor- a cornerstone music. of the, uh, if all that stuff would have come into fruition and been successful, he might, he might be the head of A&R a- at Electra Records. Who knows? Correct. Yeah. It, all, it always though, uh, it's always interesting that when you're, when you can do one thing like sing and write songs and play guitar, that then people just assume that you can do every medium. You know what I mean? Yep. Exactly. And, uh, and some people can. All right. They they also assume like, if you're on a major record label, you're a millionaire. (laughs) Oh my God. That is for sure. I mean, you read about, you know, Bruce Springsteen didn't make money until Born in the USA, which was what the the sixth or seventh album. It's crazy. And Guns N' Roses always say, oh, we didn't make any money off Appetite because we were so indebted uh, to the label and recording the album. So, yeah, well, they got that advance. They got a $400,000 advance. Yeah. I wonder where that went. Right up, right up their nose. Axel's nose. Yeah. Right up, uh, Mr. Brownstone <laughs> came calling. Um, all right, you have another track off, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Debonair. Debonair. Yeah, this is um, this got even more radio and MTV play, and this is kind of you know if there is a big song by this band, this this is probably it. Um, and again, I I just love it. The bass, the it's great. Let's play. Now, would they would they close out with this song? Would this be their closing song? Or they're not that type of a band. They just play wherever they want. You know, when you have a band like this, and I don't know if there's a band like this in your life where every song is the closing song, every song's the opening song, every song I, get, I understand the what you're saying. Pop. Um, 
So no, they will we'll get to the song that they they usually close with. They usually okay. close with a, a a much different style song. Um, All right, this is going to pop up like anywhere, and when it pops up, like the place goes bananas, All which right. is true of most of the songs. But this is like when it hits, everybody's like, "Oh man!" All right, here we go, debonair. So, Richard, are these guys still based out of Ohio? No. Um, Dooley's in L.A. Okay. I'd love to hear you interview him. Um, John Curley is still uh, in Cincinnati, the bass player. And that that's really the only two original members okay. that are left now. It's uh, um, Greg and John. So, John's still in Cincinnati. Greg's in L.A. And the rest of the band's kind of scattered. Um, New Orleans, Chicago. Um, they've got the drummer from the Raccoon Tours, uh, Patrick Keeler is oh, the nice. drummer for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, John Curley's still in Cincinnati. I still see him around town every so often. So yeah, I mean, sometimes people uh, move to Southern California because that seems like a sign of success. Like you were you were able to move to Southern California. I mean so many people that I'm still friends with from high school and college can't believe that I moved here. Now I'm not a household name, but I'm, I've yeah. been here for 27 years and I, I love it here. I love the weather, but for people that have, have, um, have not moved or done anything like, like this, it, it feels, you know, it feels yeah. like it's a major move. Um, so maybe sometimes people just feel like they need to be where they think, more things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. When in fact I could do this show from anywhere, from anywhere. in the world. Yep. Um, all right. Now the next song on your list, it's ecstatic by the Foo Fighters. Yeah. What's it going is. on here? All right. This is, this is fun. I mean, this is, like I said, this is stuff is happening for this band. I'm getting so excited. Um, so, you know, uh, Afghan wigs are in the studio and there's this, there's this kid, he used to drum for this band called Nirvana. Um, he's recording his solo album, which um, other than this song, um, Dave Grohl plays every note, every instrument, every part. Um, but uh, Dave Grohl knew the Afghan wigs, um, saw they were in the studio next door. Uh, he and Greg started talking and he's like, hey, you want to pop in and uh, play guitar part? And so the only other member the only other personnel on the Foo Fighters debut album other than Dave Grohl is Greg Dooley playing rhythm guitar on ecstatic Greg Dooley should have demanded to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the Foo Fighters he's an original member yes he is the first album agreed 
<laughs> All right. I figured I see. I figured it had something to do with that, but I didn't look it up because I wanted you to tell me. Yep. So here we go. Ecstatic. similar to the afghan wigs first recordings this is uh very early and very rough and even though there were some big songs off of this album uh not yet what the foo fighters would become 100 percent. and what what's interesting and even listening to that song in the headphones here um it's just it's so muddy and diy like yeah it's really it's great i love this record but it's it's interesting like they become you know one of the biggest bands in the yep. world from these you know very humble beginnings of this just independent kind of crappy sounding album i love that album cover too the first foo fighters with the Gosh. with just the ray gun i mean yeah it's a perfect album to get autographs on i mean if i'm sure people have but it's uh it's it's just a cool and it's in a cool name. I still don't even know what it means. Foo Fighters. I don't know. Foo Fighters. I don't know what it means. It's from it's from World War Two. It was the name that was attributed to. Um, I, if I remember correctly, it was the German um, Air Command that were assigned to look for UFOs. Okay, I, I probably- UFO Foo Foo Fighters. So it was the group of um, them looking for UFOs. I probably looked it up before, but I never remember that. I just don't. What, uh, since we're talking about the Foo Fighters a little bit, what do you think is going to happen with the band? Is it Led Zeppelin? Are they done? Is Taylor such a, a large part that they don't want to continue? Or do they want to continue to honor Taylor because they know that's what he would want them to do? Yeah, it's a tough call. And who knows? I mean, I, my personal feeling is they're probably done at least for a while. I think the only path forward is is Dave playing drums. Well, he would do that in the studio for sure. Sure. But what would they do live? And then the other one is Nandy Bushnell. Like, I think that would be. See, I said that. To, I, I have said that, too. I just feel I think if she was 18 or 19, it could happen. But she's really a kid. She is. And she would have to travel travel separately from the band because those guys couldn't be themselves right. around her on the road. And I'm not saying they're bad guys. They're not. But just the way you talk and joke with the guys is different. Yeah. It's different. I can't imagine what's going through Dave Grohl's mind right he's now. Wrecked. He's wrecked. He's, he's just, he's wrecked. They're all wrecked. Yeah. He's a little more wrecked. And it's very, it's very tough. Yeah. 
I mean, I hope they go forward. I feel, and it's right. Like eventually someone's going to say like, this is what Taylor would wanted. And that that's probably true. I mean, that dude, was, yeah. I mean, I'm certain that he would have wanted it. Um, yes. He wouldn't want his brothers to quit yeah. doing what they love as together. I mean, everyone says, you know, Dave and Taylor were, you know, inseparable brothers, best friends, but I mean, Nate's been around like no one says anything about Nate. Nate's yeah. been around with Dave just as long, yeah. longer, I think. And well, Pat, um, Pat Smear for certain. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we can't discount the, the, the solid friendships of the rest of the people too. So, I mean, it's, uh, it would, it would be a shame and especially just for, you know, rock music in general, since they kind of became the poster children for, you know, keeping this style of music alive, right. it would be a shame just in that sense to see them to fade away. But, and, and I mean, and, and what would, I mean, Dave's not going to stop making music right. and what would be the benefit of starting a whole new band with new players? Why would you, why would you cut off these other guys because of Taylor's passing, it wouldn't right. make sense to me. And yeah. to, and to keep and to keep all the same guys and just call it something different doesn't make wouldn't sense. make sense either. So yeah, now I'm talking myself into the Foo Fighters will be back, but it'll be a while. And I I, I just don't know who else would be the drummer. Like maybe they wait until Nandy's old enough. Uh, Travis Barker. I mean, I don't know. Like what do they, what do they do? You know, uh, who's the guy from Jane's Addiction? He's pretty amazing oh, yeah. that would be interesting i mean look there's there's always a drummer that can fill the slot it's not the same personality that drummer's not going to get out and sing a queen song in the you know and it's not it's never going to be taylor it's never going to be but you know even a kenny aronoff because when i interviewed him i said what if rush called you and wanted you to join rush he goes i'd do it in a heartbeat and i said could you do it he goes i i would I'd figure it out <laughs> He figured out. He goes, I would, because he's a guy that makes music charts. Yeah. He reads music, makes the charts, and he said he would play as close to it as he could. So, I mean, there's always an option, but it will never be Taylor, and we know it won't be. And, and, and that's the thing for me. And, and I'm not saying that anyone is a, a bandwagon fan or jumping on, but like Taylor Hawkins is like legitimately one of my favorite people. And that was always the highlight of the show. I mean, I even went back and re read my review of the last Foo Fighters show and like the bulk of my review is talking about Taylor Hawkins, who sang two songs, but it was like the absolute highlight of the show. Just watching that kid with his Van Halen board shorts and just yeah. that voice and that that stage presence, the smile the interaction between him and Dave. Yeah, know? they're just hippies. They look they look rock and roll. They, I love it. They do. The um. The last autograph I got in person was Taylor Hawkins just a few weeks ago when the Studio 666 movie opened. I got him at the in the lobby of the AMC 16 right here in Woodland Hills. And it's so weird because I didn't you don't think you know, oh, yeah. he's 8 he's years probably younger full than life me. and vitality and like 8 years younger than me. Back. Yeah, he's 8 years younger than me. He's, he took the time to sign three autographs. He said, I got, I got to be quick guys. I got to be quick. But, and uh, if you listen to the show, you've heard me say I've, I've met him twice here in Woodland Hills. He's just, they must live in the surrounding area to where yeah. I live because I've seen Nate, Dave and Taylor. So 
it's it's a it's a huge loss. I know. And then coming off a great album and three Grammys and the votes for those Grammys were in weeks ago. Um, I saw some guy's video on YouTube and he was like, Oh, interesting that Taylor passes and they win three. I'm like, Hey idiot. Those votes were in weeks, weeks ago. Yeah. People are shitty on the internet. People are shitty. (laughs) One. Yeah. All right. Yep. Moving on to uh, what is the year on this? I have 1996. Now, That's this it. is this their biggest album because this got a 20th anniversary re-release. I assume remastered and bonus tracks and all that jazz. So is this their most popular album? No. Uh, so Gentleman was their biggest album. And it's it's so funny. I think it's sold. I've got my notes here. Um like a hundred and ninety thousand, not even a gold record. Yeah, um, hundred and thirty thousand copies in the U.S. for Gentlemen, and that is their their biggest album. Um, but you asked earlier what my favorite album is, and 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 here we are. Uh, All right, Black Love. Um, so when this gets a, a reissue, you are so psyched. Oh, I've got yeah, I've got, I've got a, I've got three copies on vinyl. I've got an original. I've got an original. 1996 pressing that's still sealed wow and then i've got the 20th anniversary issue which is the one that i i listen to the most um not and only is i just want to say in conjunction with this episode rich is going to give that sealed copy away to uh who, right rich that's what we agreed upon right was that something i'll have to revisit the contract <laughs> i'm uh, kidding i'm joking i'm joking you guys aren't getting it um so why would electric choose to release a 20th anniversary issue of Black Love, if Gentleman is their biggest selling. There's album. a there's a there's a re-release of Gentleman too. Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just mm-hmm. don't have that. In they front were of um me. record store day releases. All right, cool, cool. So yeah, right. there's definitely I think Gentleman was the 20 was a 25th anniversary, which I've got that as well. I should have had all my records. Of course you do. You have it all. Podcast, I know but, you have it all. Uh okay. So tell me about your love of black love. Yeah. And uh let's hear it. So Black Love, not only is it my favorite African Wigs album, it's probably my favorite album of all time. Um, so, so, I mean, this hit, you know, 1996. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in college. I'm kind of, you know, kind of that struggling college kid. Um, I'm off a huge breakup. Um, my dad passed away um, a few years earlier. Um, he actually passed away in 1990, but still pretty raw. And then I'm in the middle of a breakup. And then this album, this cinematic war movie, just this dark album that is exploring all of the things that I'm feeling. And again, like I said earlier, he's kind of exaggerating. And this is this is this is presented as a movie. Um, this this mystery movie that he was going to make for Electra. Okay. This is kind of what we're looking at here. Um, so I've always kind of considered this the soundtrack for a movie that was never made. Um, and just the emotions and the topics. And again, it's, it's all exaggerated. Like I'm not feeling all the things that are talked about here. Cause again, this is like a movie, but I, I just love, I love every song. I love every moment. Um, I listen to it a lot and it takes, it takes me right back to those emotions. Like I remember like what I was feeling in 1996, the first time I heard this song or that song. Um, but again, it's something that should really, truly be experienced, um, in, in its entirety as an album. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the first track we're hearing, 
yeah. So this is a big one, right? This is probably, this is my favorite Afghan wig song. Um, wow. And for my favorite album, uh, it's called step into the light. It's, it's a ballad. It's, it's all about yearning and despair and heartbreak. Um, it's, it's so deliberate too. Like when, when you play it here a minute, it's, it's just such a deliberate song. It's almost too slow. Greg's vocals are just, oh, I it just, it'll rip right through me. I might even cry. All right. It's okay. We've people have cried on the show before, including myself. Here we go. Step into the light. The light has gone. My love has gone. The good times have Yeah, that's a heartbreaker. It is. And I mean, moment of time, right? Like those lyrics on, when was this? May 12th, 1996. Like, that's what I was feeling as a human. Yeah. And so to hear it, like, it it just, you know, it just stuck with me. Like this album is part of my being now. But when you listen to this album now, does it make you feel happy or sad? You still feel the sadness, but like, you know, I've got an awesome life now. You know, my, my wife's awesome. We've been married for almost 22 years. Awesome kids, you know, great job. Like I'm not this heartbroken college kid. Right. Um, but I still have those connections and it can easily pull the, like I, there's so many songs that just made me cry, you know, anytime you hear them. So you get those emotions, but you feel happy because I love this to me, this is like a piece of art, like should be hanging in a museum. Everyone should know about this. I, so I, I feel happy, but I definitely connect to those original emotions that it makes you feel. Now, and did Greg write all the songs? He's the, he's the main mm-hmm. songwriter for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think on some songs, you know, people will get credit, uh, songwriting credit, but in general, he is going to be attributed as the primary uh, songwriter. He's also producing these records. They didn't, they didn't work with, uh, you know, like an Albini or a Butch Vig or anything like that. He, he stayed behind the boards. Yeah. I mean, they they would bring in some producers, especially on those first two albums, but yeah, he's always listed as the producer. Um, this album, they've got a, like five people listed, Greg and John are listed and then Bob Ludwig, Jeff Powell as engineers, but yeah, he's the producer. But so that's another reason why Greg is able to move to California. He was always making 
more money than the other band members because of Certain. wearing other hats, especially yeah. songwriting and producer. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you if I can ask you a personal question. Sure. Uh, so three days ago on your Twitter, you oh, tweeted boy. about your dad's passing. Sure. And you say, I was a shit kid and I feel bad about that. You don't seem like you would have been a shit kid, Rich. Wow, we're going deep on this interview. I love it. Um, no, I, I was, I was, I was a pretty, pretty crappy kid. Um, I, I mean, in what way? What, what, what made you feel like in 2022 that you still are holding on to, you feel like you weren't a great kid at that time? You know, I, I didn't give two shits about school. Like I didn't, you know, I, I was there to hang out with my friends and get high and get girls. Like I didn't give a crap about school. I wasn't um, motivated or, you know, even interested in doing schoolwork. Um, I was kind of crummy at home. Like, and I have an interesting situation where I was adopted. So when I refer to my dad, this is the gentleman who adopted me. Mm -hmm. And then he's still your dad. Still 100%. Um, and then he, my his wife at the time, what they adopted me, she passed away. So then I was with my stepmom and we didn't have a great relationship. Yeah. So I was just kind of a crappy kid. In fact, the night my dad, the night my dad died, um, I went out with my friends and I came home and my ba my bedroom was downstairs and my dad was going to bed and I was just coming home. And he's like, Hey, you're getting a little too big for your britches, aren't you? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you didn't even say bye to me when you left to hang out with your friends. And I was like, Oh, I was like, and like that, I kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, you know, yeah, sorry, whatever. And then interestingly enough, like we both stopped. My dad looked right at me and he's like, I love you, Rich. And I was like, I love you too, dad. And he died that night. Well, see, then that moment right there erases the entire tweet for me because you weren't a shit kid. You were just being a kid. Yeah, but I was, I don't know. That's how all, all kids do that. They're, they go in a stage where they're a little bit dismissive of, their parents at times. I mean, uh, maybe not as much now because I find that a lot of parents of today, probably you, I include myself, uh, are I really connected with the kids and not yeah. that your parents weren't trying to be, but you weren't maybe accepting of it. And I might not have been accepting of it at all times, but I think there's a lot of common ground nowadays that, you know, that we do stuff with our kids that we yeah. both enjoy. And, and you're right. I was a typical latchkey kid. And that was part of the problem. Like I had no, and my parents were never around, you know, they both yeah. worked in a factory and, um, you know, they, they were just never around. So I was left to my own devices. My own devices was setting crap on fire and wrecking cars and getting in fights and smoking weed like that. Cause I just had, I didn't have that guidance. And right. when my dad was around, he was a great, great dude like i love the dude and i think about him every day but you know he was doing what he had to do which was freaking work in a factory you know to pay the bills yeah so he and just one more personal thing so sure uh, he just died in his sleep had a heart attack or whatever yeah massive heart attack in his sleep yep wow yeah that's rough was, now look it uh, for me a shitty kid would be if your dad was had been sick cancer or something and you just chose to not be around and not, but you were just, again, I just feel like you were just being a kid of the times doing what kids do. Yeah, so I mean, that's fair. Don't be so hard on yourself. 
next year. I appreciate that. When you I missed t- my therapy session this week, so thank you. <laughs> I'm 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 giving back to you. I love it. No, but you know, often I'll read a tweet and I'm and I'll be like, and I don't have a chance to ask the person, well, why did you write that? And why do you feel like that? And so thank you for sharing. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, for no problem. All right. Uh, let me see how we jump back into rock and roll. <laughs> the song I picked from Black Love is going to town. Yes. <laughs> and Rich is excited. <laughs> <laughs> love the groove i just love the vocal i love everything about that song so good the groove is amazing that that's that's a um they'll open with that song a lot all right um yeah that just looking at the track list all these songs are so good that song i'll get the car you grab the match and gasoline i love it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's who i was as a kid like somebody would say that they would say hey i got the car I'm like all right i'll get the matching gasoline let's go let's go tear well, some stuff up <laughs> you obviously you didn't hurt anyone you didn't hurt yourself you're just being uh ornery yeah <laughs> is what I'm, lo- I'm looking at you know on the wikipedia page like the um they have like some of the reviews for this album and it's like three out of four stars from the Chicago Tribune, um, three out of four Los Angeles Times, three out of five Rolling Stone, but Rolling Stone. Um, Spin, eight out of 10, five stars, uh, San Francisco Chronicle. I mean, this is they, this is a band that's always been, um, you know, critically approved. Yeah. Um, they just never, never, never found the hit to get over the top. And at the, at the base of it, I wonder what, is the most important like do you want do you want to be critically acclaimed or do you want to not be and be a billionaire i don't know and still have fans i don't know i think for greg it would be the the critically acclaimed part um but also knowing that the the fans that he did have you know he, he had an impact and an influence um on them but I'm sure they're doing fine financially. I mean, back then people were making money. Well, that's what, when Urge Overkill, I asked them point blank and they <laughs> said, we had good business dealings. We're fine. That's what they said. So got to believe yeah. them. It was good to hear because usually it's the other way. It's yeah, exactly. Uh, you got Honky's Ladder. What's yeah, that so- about? Completely opposite. When you hear this song, this is completely opposite of you know, step into the light. Um, and this is another one of those songs. This is like a moment in concert. Like when, when they play the song, the guitar, you know, Rick McCollum's still in the band and he's just 
so good and has this just kind of this whiny guitar sound. The bass is crazy. I mean, this, this is a rock song, but it's also like, it's dirty. You're not going to, you're definitely not going to shop these lyrics when your kids are in the car. Right. Um, and I think that's part of the problem why they never got over the top. Cause there was never like a, a clean, like, here's a great riff. Here's a great chorus. Mm. Here's a great pop song that everyone can jump into. They would have these great anthemic songs, but they're just not going to be like radio friendly. It's difficult if, you know, if those are the lyrics that are coming from your heart, you don't want to sanitize them. Sure. You want to put them out there. So it is what it is. It's art. That's why it's art. All right. Honky's Ladder. Come on. Here we go. If you want to peep on something, peep what I got stuck between your Brother, swallow time to pay. good one and see what i mean he just he just goes for it and he's not the best singer but he doesn't care and you and and on that song you also hear just the the years of strain because i mean this is how he sings live so he's been doing this now for a decade um so much alcohol so much cigarettes like and you literally like hear that in the voice but it's not like it's straining or breaking yet but you start to hear that age and that wear and tear and when when do the cigarettes catch up with these guys i'm always worried for the people that are still smoking yeah i mean look at keith richards like didn't he just quit smoking he just quit smoking (laughs) he says he he says he feels more energized (laughs) imagine that i know i know i quit smoking um gosh 17 years ago i was because that's the 90s like you you had your your camel reds and you were in the clubs and everybody was smoking like it was just it was just like part of that like rock culture back then um so basically uh around the time the kids were young you said i can't do this anymore oh yeah it was um when when my son was born um it's interesting. I, I was actually still smoking and I went up while well, we smoked outside, never smoked in the house and I coughed up blood. And that that's, was it. That, that's, that's not a good sign. That was it. Cold Turkey. Like people say how hard it is and I'm sure it is, but like, and I've, and I've made a doctor's appointment right away as well. And you know, everything's fine. Everything still is fine, but that was, that was it. And did your wife smoke? Today. She did. Yep. And did she quit also? Oh yeah, like as you know, as soon as she got pregnant. Um, well, yes, obviously, yes, that would be that would be the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. We were, we were, uh, we were how talking. many times have you seen? Can we do we call them the wigs? Do people just yeah, call them the wigs? Call them the wigs for sure. 
How many times have you seen them in live? Uh, countless. I mean, wow. I, I haven't ever sat down to try to, it's gotta be the band I've seen more than any other because, you know, I would see, it's so interesting to me, like back in the day, Cincinnati had probably a dozen rock clubs yeah. that had live music 365 days a year. We had two independent newspapers in town. And that's where you would get all of your, you know, your concert schedules and everything. And, and now I don't know that we have more than two rock clubs that certainly, you know, post pandemic don't have shows every night, but right. that, that used to be the culture. I mean, there were clubs where every night you could go see a rock band Nirvana played here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I saw these guys all the time, just in clubs, sometimes with as few as like 30 people, you know? Um, and then I, as they, as they got bigger, like every time I have the opportunity and, you know, they're playing, they're playing like the big club. So 2000 seat venues, that yeah. kind of thing. That's, that's what they've been playing probably since this era. Um, I've probably seen them on, on every tour. So you pick up the paper tomorrow and it says they're the paper who has a paper, but you, you find out that they're coming next month. You're, you're all in immediately. Well, here's the deal. They're, they're not coming to Cincinnati on this tour. What? How can they <laughs> I, not do that? I don't know. The nationals not coming to Cincinnati either. I'm like, you guys are from like, I don't, something weird's going on. So I'm going to see them. Um, I'm going to see them in Louisville, Kentucky, which is like two hours away right. and Indianapolis, which is like two hours away. All right. Not bad. Uh, not bad. And who knows? I may uh, come out to LA. Um, they're opening for Jack White in LA. Yes. You told me that. Yeah. So yeah. Let me, let me know if you're going to be yeah. out here and we'll figure something out. Now who goes to the shows with you now? Who did, who's your concert person? My kid, my son. And he likes the wigs. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. We, we, he kind of became my built-in uh, concert buddy. Um, and my daughter too, but she's got a different set of music that she loves. And mostly it's Taylor Swift, which we haven't had any Taylor Swift touring in quite a while. Um, and that damn Olivia Rodrigo, I can't get tickets. No, I couldn't either. God. I could not get them. Yeah. It was, it was insane. It was insanity. It's I couldn't get them. We have a friend who's a ticket broker and I ask him, he goes, he goes, you don't want them. I go, what do you mean? I don't want them. He goes, the cheapest I could even get them for is 600 each. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't want those. So yeah. And, then, and and she's playing like Veruca Salt and she's playing Avril Lavigne. I'm like, oh God, I want to go. Yeah. Because I was wondering what she would do because she's only got the one album. So she's yeah. got to pad it out. But yeah, it was a, uh, I didn't think there was going to be a problem getting them at all. And then boom, I was yeah. shocked how, how wrong I was. I know I'm watching this resale and I'm just hoping like maybe at the last minute, somebody tries to dump some, I mean, I, at this point I'm willing to pay well over face value, obviously, mm -hmm. but not $600 for yeah. two. I mean, and then, and I keep talking to my daughter. I was like, well, would you want to go by yourself? Yeah. Cause like, yeah. I could swallow the 350 that, you know, for one ticket. Yeah. It's rough. It but is yeah, rough. my 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 kids are my built-in concert buddies. My wife, like I said, will will go to 
um, you know, we see the Tim McGraw, we see the Faith Hill, we see the Garth Brooks. Um, and she used to go to the clubs with me when we were dating and see like ass ponies, Afghan wigs and some of the local bands as well. Yeah. She's done with that bullshit, Rich. Oh, for sure. 100%. <laughs> now that I got Leslie, the only problem with taking your kid is you probably know, cause I know you go to kids concerts with your kids. Yeah. It's, it's double the price. Cause now you got to pay for you and you're good to go. We went to the Greek theater last uh, Saturday to see Claro and it was, uh, you know, I think the tickets were 95 each. Yeah. So there's 200 bucks and then parking was 30. So there's 230. She wanted a t-shirt, 30 bucks, 260. Yeah. Got some food. It was probably 30 bucks. So two nights, a $300 evening. Yeah. It's, you know, now I'm lucky because of this podcast. I, I see a t- tons of shows for free, but not all the shows. And then right. if, if Rita wants to go to something, it's, it's uh, you suck it up. You do <laughs> great show yeah. though. We had a great time. That's awesome. All right. That's 1965 awesome. is the next album. They're now on Columbia records. Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't talk about it much earlier, but when they moved to Electra, there was a bidding war. So all the majors were interested in them and they went with Electra because they got that weird deal with movies and all that crap. Yeah. Um, but Electra was kind of, you know, done. They're like, we can't figure out what to do with you. We can't make you break. Um, but Columbia was like, Hey, well, you know, we'll, we'll take you. We'll give it a whirl. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and this is it, you know, this is for the first part of the career, kind of the, the end of the line. Um, and I think they knew it because this album is very slick. It's very well produced. Um, I think even the songs and even the two that I picked, I'll be interested to hear your choice. Um, they, they sound a little bit more radio friendly. And I, I think, they were going for it. Like this is kind of our last chance to get over whatever that perceived hump of success is. Well, I'm going to tell you, I I did not like this album at all. Yeah. I didn't even pick a song. I wrote, Nope. I did not like this album. I don't like it. Yeah. It's, it's and at I the like bottom, it. you know, it's right down there with congregation for me. Yeah. Um, I, again, I still love it, but yeah. Um, other than the two songs that I chose, the rest of it doesn't do a whole lot for me. I mean, I'll listen to it and I, I do kind of like that kind of slick sound. Yeah. Um, kind of like, I think maybe even trying to make it sound like nevermind a little bit with how crisp and clean that album yep. is. Yep. But Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, well, let's start it out with something hot. That's actually the song title. I'm not. It is. Yes. Here we go. Already you can hear. Tales for two. Time lovers lane. 
I do love that song. Like, yeah, that's I, a good song. That's a good song. That would be yeah. if I was picking one, I would have picked that one also, but you had already picked it. So yeah. And it slays live. Like um, I'll send you a link. They they did it on Conan or whatever, some late night yeah. show, and just you know, laid waste to the place. Um, so it's it translates really well live. Great opening song. All right, and one more off of 19. 19- yeah, one more. Uh crazy again. This is you know, I feel like there's a little bit like at the beginning, there's like talking kind of like um, undone the sweater song. Yeah. So I think they were kind of like looking at it like, okay, how did Weezer break big? You know, we're already doing the slick sound. This is kind of a slow ballad song, but again, it's kind of quirky and weird enough that it's not going to break through, but I do love it. And I'd love Greg's voice on it. Um, and again, it's very deliberate. Like when they do these slow songs, I feel like they're just like really trying to craft a great sounding song. Yes. I mean, some bands, and this is a perfect example. I think they they're at their wits end and eventually they're just like, what the fuck do we have to do? <laughs> Cause they're probably, they probably hate a ton of bands that are being successful at that time. Oh, like yeah. these guys suck and we can't right. on the radio. Is it our yeah. management? Is it the PR? Is it the label? What are we not doing? Yeah. All right. So let's hear crazy. Stories jive, she said. There ain't nothing wrong with me if I use it to give me some sympathy, some ecstasy, a memory. I want to remember me crazy. That's what you'd like to do. song yeah that's a nice one too and you know this is an interesting era because there's so much other stuff going on right now so at this point uh greg is best friends with ted demi movie producer um so they manage all the music and actually appear in the movie beautiful girls okay um, as the house band they do a great cover of um barry white song can't get enough of your love i think um and then um you know, there's a lot going on with like the record label and all kinds of weird stuff. Um, they tour with Aerosmith. I think wow. that was like their last, you know, and seeing them open for Aerosmith like that. So that was the biggest venue I would have seen them uh, play in until they started playing festivals later. Um, and I think they were hoping like, you know, Guns N' Roses open for Aerosmith and broke. Black Crows open right. for Aerosmith and broke. Maybe um, this this will be their their path. Um and they were uh, they were label mates with uh, Aerosmith at that point. Aerosmith was yeah, back. Also Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. Um, yep. So now we don't get an album now for 16 years. Correct. So what, what do you do as a fan 
when your band are they still active touring all those years? No, so so they they definitely so there was you know it even kind of ended bad. There was um, Greg got in a fight and was like in a coma and almost died. And <laughs> there was a lot going on um, before the breakup. Um, so after post breakup, Greg moves to New Orleans and starts this band called the Twilight Singers. Um, so this is a rock solid exclusive that Uh-oh. you're getting now. Um, it's hard for me to reconcile, but in a lot of ways, I love the Twilight Singers as much and maybe even more than the Afghan Wigs. Yeah. Mind is blown. Um, it's so good. And I think that even pe- people that listen to the Afghan Wigs are like, well, I'm not going to be in the congregation, but I do like this stuff. I think may even be blown away by the Twilight Singers. Um, and the Twilight Singers essentially are the Afghan Wigs with piano and not as good bass playing. Okay. Um, and, it, and, and I love it. I mean, it, you know, there's four Twilight Singers albums. They're all fantastic. They got this kid, Dave Rosser on guitar, who Rock and Peace is no longer with us. But so for me, it was an easy transition because okay. Greg kept making music and it was really good music. Right. Um, so there, there was something for that stopgap. We're going to hear one of those songs as our playout song. We are. If right. that's okay with you, that, that is, I chose to play. Out. You get to do whatever you want. <laughs> you, if you want, if you want to play just a gigolo by David Lee Roth, I'll play that. Whatever you oh, want. You could do that. Um, an interesting side note here. Also during that time, I worked for Apple computer. I worked in a, a retail store here in Cincinnati. Okay. Um, and Apple stores, I mean, especially in LA are known for, you know, celebrities coming into them, even in the Cincinnati, um, that's where I met Peter Frampton. You know, he was a longtime customer. Um, nice. James Eha came in, uh, Maynard from Pool. Anyway, um, so John Curley would come into the store all the time because he was a Mac user. He still has the studio, Ultra Suede Studios. Um, and people are always telling me, they're like, oh, John Curley's in the store. And I, I could not talk to him. <laughs> I could not talk. It took me, Pat, it took me five years of this guy I come in the store pretty regularly, always knowing about it, always seeing him. And finally, one day he came in the store and I was like, I'm just going to go for it. And I vomited all over him with fanboyism to start off. I was like, Hey, I just got to get this out of the way. And then I'll sell you a computer. I'll do whatever. <laughs> but I got to tell you, like Afghan wings are one of my favorite bands. I love you guys. I've seen you from the Sudsies days. I'm just a huge fan. And he was so cool um, and so nice. And from then, like every time he came in the store, I talked to him when I go to the shows, like he'll take a picture with me and talk to me and that kind of thing. Definitely not friends, but we're friendly. Right, right, right. But it literally took me five years to get up the courage to like go and talk to this dude. who's just a regular dude. I'm the exact opposite. I would have had an Afghan wigs album in my lunchbox every day (laughs) I went to work. Every single day. Yeah. And I would say, oh, when John Curley comes in, whenever he leaves the store, that's when I'm taking my uh, lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is, there's a rule at Apple. It's supposed to be the steadfast rule that you don't acknowledge any celebrity. Like you just treat them like a regular customer. You're we're not supposed to acknowledge any celebrity um, at all. All right. So, but so that's why I get treated like shit when I go there. It, 
It might be. Um, <laughs> well, that's just that's just the new Apple. The yeah, that's just the new Apple. Um, it's a rotten Apple. <laughs> um, what uh, do you have their autographs? If you, do you do that? Do you have their signatures on things? Um, I've got I've got a poster hanging in my office that's uh, signed by Greg and John said that he would sign it happily anytime. So I actually won that um, when, when the next album came out, um, they randomly inserted signed posters into some of the okay. records and I just happened to get one. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, Cause you never think you're going to be the guy. You never think like when I opened it and it just fell out and I was like, Oh my gosh. My uh, uh, Pilar bought me a, uh, Sammy Hager beach bar rum for Christmas, like two years ago, three bottles of it. There's like a spice, there's a macadamia and there's that regular one. And um, if you bought all three together, there was a chance that one of your bottles would be signed by Rick Springfield, who I guess owns a part of the beach bar rum uh, business. Yeah. And, uh, and I got one of those bottles. No way. Yeah. (laughs) And it was like, and it's, I almost felt a little bad because I've met Rick Springfield about five or six times interviewed him live on the show. I have his autograph on so many things and I'm, and someone probably really wanted that. And I got it. Now I enjoyed opening it up and going, yeah, I got it. But I was also like, "Mm, I feel a little guilty. Yeah. That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. It was fun. All right. So the next album, 2014, uh, due to the beast. Yeah. So this is kind of out of nowhere. Like I remember like this news breaking and I was just like, what, you know, and everyone's texting me and it's like going crazy. Um, And back on sub pop, back on sub pop, which at this, which by 2014, they're not a major, major label, but they're definitely a well-known entity. For sure. For sure. Um, And my understanding, it was, it was an easy, like the band said, Hey, we're getting back together. And they're like, done sign, whatever deal, let's do it. Um, The band at this, so the band at this point is um, Greg and John and then the Twilight Singers. All right. So, and I'm, and I'm 100% fine with that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they just come out of nowhere. They're like, Hey, we're back with a new album. We're going to tour and I'm all in like, and, you know, a lot of bands, you have that gap and it's like, they come back and it's crap, but yeah, not these dudes. They came back and I, I love this from the go. And that was the first song I picked is um, the opening track parked outside. And I was kind of surprised. Like I was expecting like piano, like Twilight Singers kind of stuff, maybe a slower song, but they just come out with this loud, aggressive, crunchy guitar. And I'm like, whoa. I call it balls out, Rich. They came out, they came they balls did. out. For sure. Here we go. Parked outside. Cheap t- 
there's a there's a more uh, sophisticated production on this. Uh, it's not as slick as 1965, but it's uh, it works. It's it's a little bit you know it's more modern but still yeah. a little dirty. And yeah, this album sounds real good. It sounds great. It's and, and you know and they're they're out there. They're they're playing Lollapalooza. They're playing Coachella. I mean you know small font. Um, but yeah, they're they're out there. I watched that Lollapalooza. They showed it online and they played it. Yeah. You know, a side stage, but a big side stage, and yeah. killed it. Like, and at this point, they're back in great shape. Like, um, John Curley just had started working out and became a vegetarian and trim and looking better than ever. Uh, you know, they have short hair now. They look like adults. They're making sophisticated adult music, yeah. but it's still rock music. Yeah, I, I like when the bands keep it together physically. Like when they still look good. It's uh you still want them to look like superheroes or look like rock stars. You they're up on that stage and you're looking up to them yeah. from your vantage point. And you just want them to look, you know, great. Right. Like, um, you know, Keith Richards is old, but he's still skinny and he's still, you know, mm-hmm. he's still Jane rocks. So, yeah. uh, and, and then Mick is just, I, I, I don't know I what don't to know say. I don't know. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. I, uh, my dad is six years older than Mick Jagger, but there's okay. 40 years difference between the two men. Sure. <laughs> it's just insane. Um, okay. Due to the beast. And in my head, I keep reading it as, as do the beast. Yeah. Cause the, the two is tripping me up, but due to the beast, I picked a song called these sticks. Pat, you froze. I did. Yeah. Just for a second, but you're back. All right. Yeah, it says my internet connection is unstable. Boo. All right. Here's these sticks. I really like the pointed maturity of his vocals on this. I just, yeah. uh, I, I felt like this is his voice was right out in front and I could really, really get, get into it. Uh, yeah. N- right now with this song and this album. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's mature, sophisticated music. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, his voice still sounds great, but you can tell like, this is now a 55 year old man, yeah. not some 18 year old kid. All right, yeah. one more from Due to the Beast. Yeah, we're getting through this, man. Um, it kills. I I love this song. This is 
this is kind of more like a Twilight Singer song, yeah. um, but it's it's fun. There's just a lot going on. It's got that the, the piano and his voice. It's fun. I love it. Here we go. I hope it kills. <laughs> good one it's good it's good and on this tour you know he starts playing piano where they have one of those weird like it's probably a digital piano but it looks kind of like a small version of like pianos you'd have in high school right um so on these piano focus songs he'll sit down and and play those and kind of sing from there which is kind of kind of cool so for me when a band has an album after 16 years you kind of think well this is a one-off they're just going to cap it here but no Three years later, they got another album in spades. They do. And one of my favorite concert experiences of all time in between here, Greg did a solo tour um, and came to Cincinnati. And the cool thing about a solo tour is, is he can play both, both bands, musics, yeah, and then everything. cover songs. Um, and I get there and, and John Curley's there. They're friends, whatever. They're friends, yeah. Um, and my one of my best friends is working the door at the show and he's acting kind of weird blah 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 so anyway um greg foot plays a full set and then at the end of the set all of the afghan wigs are up in the balcony and he brings them down and he's like hey we've got a new album coming out i'm going to bring my old friends the afghan wigs out and then as part of the solo show he does a full afghan wig set wow it was Awesome. And that's uh and that's a total surprise. And you don't often get surprised at shows. Right. Yep. But that's a real moment. It was it was fantastic. And they all kind of came out. And it was interesting because some of the solo people, some people that he was touring with solo were in the Afghan wigs, but when they all came out and jammed, it was it was great. All right. So let's hear some songs from that aforementioned album yeah in space so you you'd asked earlier about my kid whether he likes the afghan wigs and this is what got him into it the song demon in profile um i this this album to me is so interesting like it, it sounds like almost like nothing else um even within their catalog or even within rock it's just kind of a a unique sounding album and um 
this song in particular, Demon and Profile, um, I, I think it's a killer song. Um, when they did it live, I don't know if you know Har Mar Superstar. Say that again. Har Mar Superstar. I do he's not. An artist from Minneapolis. You don't need to know him now because he ended up getting me too and he's a horrible, horrible person. Okay. But he's actually a tremendous musician with this crazy good voice. He was touring with them and he would always, he appeared in the video. Okay. Um, and then he also would sing and it was just really, really, really good. But yeah, I love the song, uh, Demon and Profile. All right. Let's hear it. And this is the album your son likes the best. Yeah. Um, that's such a fun song. Like, yeah. you know, it's got the piano and then they, later on it's got uh, strings and like horns come in. It's, it's, uh, and even though it's a different guitarist now, so Dave Roster's playing guitar, I think that guitar line is a, is a big throwback to their earlier sound. Yeah. It's always amazing again, to go from the first song we played that garage band, fuzzy, loud aggressive and now they're using instrumentation like they've never used before yeah pretty pretty cool all right the song i picked this is my last song of the show uh, all right chosen by me this is called light as a feather assume those are hand claps i guess they could be made with a synthesizer or something too but they sounded like hand claps to me yeah they're 
you know, when they're recording, they're going into a studio. They're not yeah. doing it on their Macs and right. whatever. Like they're going into a studio and I think they're making a whole natural song. Another thing about this band is like you see them on this tour. They're going to play five songs from this album. Like they that that song they definitely played live. Um, it's not. Well, they didn't have hits, but it's not just the classic stuff. Like you go see them live, you're going to hear everything from beginning to whatever the new material is. And these uh, these last two albums too, they didn't beat us over the head with an 80 minute, 17 song record. They nope. they you know they kept it to 10 songs or whatever, and that's what it, they you know this album's 36 minutes long, and uh, and that's what you want sometimes. Yep. It's the perfect length. That's the uh, 30, 34 minutes. That's the length of Nevermind, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to hear 17 songs and seven of those suck. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm skipping them. I'm with you. All right. I love it. All right. The last one, I just thought, again, this is another unique song, Arabian Heights. Um, again, something they play live. It's got interesting instrumentation. It's, it's complex but it's still kind of that raw, dirty, alternative music that I love. All right, let's hear it. Arabian Heights. It's good. It's good stuff. And that's it. I mean, that, it, well, since we booked this, they have released a new song and announced a new tour. Um, so they're, they're going song. And in between during the pandemic, um, Greg did a solo album, um, which is really, really good. Um, is that his first and only solo album? Um we actually, he and I gotten a little spat on it over Twitter. Oh no! Um, he released uh, back in the day. He released a collection of songs called Amber Headlights, which was released under Greg Dooley. Um, but he doesn't consider it an album, even though it's Greg Dooley Amber Headlights, and it's got like ten <laughs> songs on it. Um, he considers that like a B size collection or collection of songs. So, okay, this is Greg. The first official. We talked a little bit about pretension earlier, right? Um, so this, that was the first official, uh, solo album and he had plans for a big tour, which everything was canceled and, and all that. So kind of left that behind and has now moved on to new weeks music. All right. All right. Now there's one song. Do you think it's going to be followed up with an album later in the year? I think so. It's kind of weird the way they're doing it because, you know, they've done the one song and then announced the tour and they haven't really talked about an album, but 
over the last year, there's been, you know, social media posts. They, they've definitely been in the studio. And they, I'm certain that there's more songs. I just don't know what they're what their plan is. All right. Well, we will find out because it sounds like this band always keeps the fans guessing and happy and happy. Yep. I, I, I love these dudes. This is great music. This is music that best kind of represents who I am. You know, if you look at my other favorite bands, it's kind of all over the place, Yeah, but this is kind of like my kind of North star, like where my default is this music. And this is still a band that uh, again, doesn't have the massive, fan base of a Foo Fighters. So you take ownership when you like bands like this, like you're like, this is my band. This is my band. You know, it hasn't become everyone's band yet. It's still my band. And even though you wish them great success, there is something cool about having your band. Yeah. Agreed. And it's something, you know, I, I shout over off the rooftops about this band. I'm doing this podcast about this band, but if someone tells me "Eh, it's not my thing, I get it. It's not like I, I keep yeah. pushing like, oh, no, you really should. You know, there are artists where I'm like, yeah, you probably should go a little bit further. But here I kind of get it. Yeah. Although I, it makes me sad that people when people don't completely get into it, because when you are into it, like you're part of you're part of the congregation, you're part of this community of fans that loves and adores this really great, important music. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of like uh, the replacements fans are too. Same type of a a thing. All right, Rich, where can we read some of these uh, cool reviews that you did in the past? Tell us again. Yeah. Uh, So you, you, I mean, you can obviously find me on Twitter at Rich Richmond. Um, I I have the best name ever. So that's, that's my handle wherever, wherever social media is, you'll find Rich Richmond. Um, at hyperbole free, it's a running joke in my fan and my friend group that um, I always talk in hyperbole. I don't know if you found <laughs> that to be the case today, but so that's where hyperbole free uh, came out. So yeah, I'll do I'll do some writing over there. Um, if anyone's looking for a great nonprofit to support, Beach Acres Parenting Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, and literally everything you read on that blog. And if you're a parent, it's good stuff. Like we have a parenting blog written by the our parenting experts and then I turn it into blog form. So there's great stuff there. If you really want to do a deep dive on words that I've written. Cool. Okay. And thank you for doing this. Thank you for yeah, picking, thank you. Thank you for picking a topic and a band that we have not shown a light on. And um look, if if the Afghan wigs never get played on the show again, we have this two hour and 20 minute extravaganza. <laughs> I wonder how far people will get on this listen. Sorry, well, you know it what affects your ratings. I'll tell you what, it's a show like this when, you know, cause I'll tag the shit out of this. And so when people Google, they'll be like, there's, there's a two hour episode on the Afghan wigs. Yeah. Hopefully those are the people we want to please. The new people will be like, Oh yeah, there's some cool music there. I'll buy some of that. But yeah. the hardcore fans are the ones that are going to be like that host didn't know Dick <laughs> and his guest, fuck that dude. You know, so, yeah. so hopefully we've done it. Uh, we've done them justice. Yeah. We're, it's a pretty good fan base. I don't yeah. think we'll, we'll see anything and God willing, we'll get a retweet out of the, uh, the official account. Yeah. And who knows, maybe you'll have Greg on here. I would, you never God, know. Love to and, hear that. and I'll tell he you what, do a lot of interviews. If you have any complaints with this, please. Uh, it's at rich Richmond on yes. Twitter. Yes, He's exactly. Rich with all your complaints. We're a rock solid show. Go to rocksolidpodcast.com for all things about the show. 
uh, t-shirts, merchandise. We have great merch. Someone said, why don't you talk about the merch? I'm like, eh, I'm about the show. I don't want to ram merch down your throat, but we do have some really great merch. So rocksolidpodcast.com, click on that. You can find everything about the show. And Patreon, if you want to support the show, we're at patreon.com forward slash rocksolidpodcast. I try really hard to keep the Patreon active and give prizes away weekly, pretty much. So, great uh, prizes too. Yeah, definitely sign up. Two bucks a month. Thank you, I mean, Rich. Give more if you can. But yeah, and then for five dollars a month, you get your episodes early and ad free, which is cool. Awesome. So with that, thank you, Rich Richmond. Thank and you. Everyone, this is great. Please enjoy the song "Bonnie Bray" by the Twilight Singers. See you soon, Rich. See ya. Oh, my.